Food is meant to make you, uh, it's meant to restore you, it's meant to fill you, it's meant to make you happy. If you're a ramen fan in Edmonton, you've probably been anxiously awaiting the opening of Prairie Noodle Shop. It's been a long time coming, but they finally got the doors open, serving Prairie's-inspired ramen to the masses from their new restaurant on 124th Street. On this episode of Off Menu, I sat down with one of the owners, Arden Che, and we talk a lot about ramen, a little bit about online reviews, and I even find out that this guy's got pretty bad taste in Christmas movies. Sorry, Arden. So stick around. We'll have a little fun. Tell me about the inspiration for opening Prairie Noodle, considering your background isn't really in the restaurant industry, correct? That's right. Uh, the idea for Prairie Noodle Shop started with my partner Terry and I, who, and Terry, actually, our general manager and one of our partners, he has restaurant experience. It actually started in the, my car in a parking lot at McDonald's uh, a couple of years ago. We were sitting there just chatting about, you know, food and we, you know, Terry loves to eat. He's a, again, one of those, uh, you know, the term foodie does apply. Mm -hmm. And uh, so have I. And I mean, as Asian people, we've grown up eating noodles all our lives, right? And we travel, you know, we love having ramen in Vancouver, uh, Toronto, I've had it in New York, uh, Japan. You know, there's a few places here in Edmonton that do it, but they also do it with sushi and they also do it with other things and it's not the same atmosphere right right as a really cool tiny little crammed jammed noodle <laughs> shop where you go in and you just slurp a hot bowl of soup so we were thinking about that and we're like well why don't why don't we do it why don't we you know why don't we give it a give it a go and it was funny because at first uh, this business almost didn't even get off the ground we uh, sat together uh, in a meeting room had a chat and my current partners and a few other friends all kind of deconstructed it right uh, that's what we do is we tear apart business ideas and we had from I mean, I remember one of my friends Tom he says uh, he's like ramen isn't that the 25 cent instant noodle thing how are you gonna sell that right? who the hell wants to pay money for that and so I took all of that and went away with it, uh, all these questions they had, and basically worked on it for over six to eight months. Like Terry and I spent almost every other weekend in my kitchen teaching ourselves how to make it from scratch and coming up with what we thought would be a great uh, bowl of ramen. And it, it evolved, right? A little because bit of your, your concept is not... 100% traditional ramen no, all no. across the board because I know you guys have a meat and potatoes one that that doesn't look like ramen to me at all but it yeah. was really tasty as we were moving along and I had met um, Chef Stephen Bidakoff uh, over at uh, Get Cooking uh, right. back then yeah. uh, and Steve and I were talking and you know realizing that ramen is a regional dish so why don't we infuse our own flavors and create our own profile right. that first bowl the prairie pork bowl those first few bowls were not very good I'll be <laughs> honest <laughs> well the first few things times I make something and not very good <laughs> sometimes too exactly so don't feel bad about that but it, the, what it did was it taught us an appreciation from the bottom up of what goes into what what is a great bowl of ramen what what is it consistent what's the chemistry behind it even right. right we did a lot of research and so in making kind of like a prototype for ourselves and I, I when I met Stephen and he was you know he graciously offered to, to work with us and help us out it just evolved from there and, and, and elevated and we kind of over time developed our philosophy the question we always asked ourselves was what's what's a prairie flavor and so like Steve said you know I think of campfire I think of smoke I think of you know we'll, we'll use alderwood and we'll smoke our bones 
And it was pretty cool because we realized nobody had ever done a smoked bone ramen. So that was, you know, that, that first pop-up was interesting. Um, you know, we didn't know who was going to show up. Turns out, like, we sold out, you know, and uh, we had to turn 70 people away and, and the rest I of remember history. that, yeah. actually. I had planned to go that night, but we already had plans oh. somewhere else. So I thought, okay, well, we'll do our plans here and then we'll go over and try out the ramen pop-up. And I was looking on Twitter about 15 minutes before it even started and, and you guys had tweeted already, uh, sold out. Yeah, essentially, we sold out, like, uh, 15 minutes before we actually had the event we turned another 70 people away Mm -hmm. and I I think what really um, you know it really showed to us that there was a market here that there's demand and we saw how people really connected with the fact and we're really proud of the fact that this is our ramen this is prairie ramen and it was funny because the first two people in line were a couple of Japanese ladies that were here from on vacation from Japan (laughs) who didn't speak a whole lot of English but they heard about us somehow and they loved it so we thought okay maybe we're onto something here Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's that's how it, uh, it evolved into our own concept and we realized that's kind of that's more staying true to the roots and the origin of what ramen is because you know there's dozens of regions in japan and the ramen's different all over there yeah and we're we're not japanese and why do a copy of something when we have you know a great agricultural community here and let's let's focus on our own flavors yeah it was interesting we we decided being ramen fans ourselves we know how absolutely critical that we can be Right. I mean, uh, a tonkatsu is so difficult to do really well. And we just didn't want to be compared to, you know, uh, another Japanese concept. Because, again, to us, that's not being true to what we want to do. Right. And and you, you can open yourself up to a lot of criticism. Oh, right? guaranteed. That's going to happen for sure. Someone's <laughs> going to taste it and go, that's not exactly what I was expecting. Exactly. That's not traditional. <laughs> that's not authentic. That's not whatever. Ramen to us is exciting because it's coming across North America in a big wave and it is starting to change and evolve. So we want to be a part of that, you know, and help push that forward. Absolutely. So you did a little research on ramen shops outside of Edmonton, I assume, because we didn't really have a whole ton in Edmonton. So I would imagine you must have gone out in, you know, Vancouver and Calgary and everywhere else that you were saying and tried. So you did a little industrial espionage and stole everyone's (laughs) best secrets. (laughs) You know, it's, it's actually, um, it's, it's hard to steal secrets because nobody will actually tell you what goes into their, into their recipes. Tell me about it. I'm doing a whole thing on pierogies right now on my blog and you know, you ever try and get a box? to give up the secret of their dough or anything else forget it no chance (laughs) not going to absolutely well the first time I had ramen outside of the country in Japan was about it was 2000 I believe 2001 I was working on uh, Princess Cruises on the cruise ships and we are one of our destinations was Japan before that I had been growing up eating you know instant noodles but the first time I had it there it, it was like, okay, this, there's more to it than just instant noodles. And so, you know, the love affair kind of began there. And uh, Terry, again, he's been eating it all his life. And I found some of my favorite restaurants were in Vancouver. And so it wasn't so much trying to find out the recipes, but more the flavor profiles mm-hmm. and the feeling that you get from eating it. And realizing that there was a lot of stuff about traditional ramen that I thought, you know what? Like, I'm not a big fan of bamboo shoots, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I know it's a traditional thing. That doesn't mean I have to like it, right? And I thought, well, let's get rid of that. And if I was to make a bowl for myself, I remember we're looking at things like a sheet of nori, seaweed, right? Which is not, I mean, it's a great Asian flavor. But when we kind of at the end, uh, I remember Steve and I just kind of stuck a sheet of nori in our bowl. And we thought, number one, seaweed is not really an indigenous flavor to Alberta, Mm. (laughs) all right? And it was kind of like cheating by taking another idea. So we were just sitting around with that, well... Well, let me do a pork skin. That's Albertan, right? A yeah. pork rind, chicharrones. And so, yeah, it's just taking all those inspirations, but then evolving that to what our local community is, right? Yeah, have a local flavor. twist on it. You know, the idea is Japanese, Yep. but the execution is going to be a little more local. Asian noodles inspired by prairie flavors is how we go. always, you know, uh, put it. 
Yeah, very similar to what Drift Food Truck uses as their mantra. I mean, but it's something like globally inspired and locally sourced yeah. kind of yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. it's not, you're not trying to make the most authentic of something. Yeah. You know, like, hey, this is just like Japan, but it's not, we're not Japan. We're, we're not, not supposed Japan. to be exactly and like Japan. I always question that term, like, authentic. What is authentic mean? Mm-hmm. What does authentic mean? Um, I think a lot of people here who eat Asian food might be surprised that what they have here isn't the same form as it's served. Where it was originally made, yeah, of course, right? Because flavor profiles are different, ingredients are different, and so I really try not to uh, worry about whether something's authentic. I worry about is it good? Yeah, it's meant to be enjoyed. Exactly, do it and the way so, you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, did I you find think. a common theme when you when you found ramen places and you start looking at things critically, which I think is quite different actually. When you're just sitting down to eat something and you're just enjoying it, you're not always thinking, "Why am I enjoying this?" Yes. But once you start critically analyzing this kind of stuff, I find it's really interesting to kind of go. Why did I like this? What is the aspect of this that I like it? Did you find that there was ramen shops, be it the product itself or maybe even the atmosphere? Because, of course, that adds to yeah. it. The smells when you walk in, everything. Did you find a common theme where this is uh, this is something that we see in every ramen shop that we love? Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, and it was, it was again, it goes back to what I always say uh, about ramen. Is it, I think about it in three parts, right? The soup, the noodles, and the toppings. And some of my favorite ramen shops, I found the soups uh, had a lot of depth. A lot of flavor. It wasn't flat. And you get different sensations as the soup moves from the front of your mouth through your throat and your stomach. For sure. And so you notice that for, you know, your first sip might be a, you know, it'll be, it'll be the salty flavor. And then as you swallow it, there's that umami kind of briny flavor that, that sticks to the back of your throat. And that, I, I mean, I don't really have a term for it, but that stick to the back of your throat flavor is what I always look for, right? Where when you're done, you want more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, to me, makes a great broth. Um, so we found the best soups were like that. They're, they're rich and they have depth. They can be uh, thick, they can be thin, but the point is it's it's multidimensional. Uh, the noodles have to have a certain kind of uh, consistency, a bit mm-hmm. of a you know some of the spring to it. They have to the the soup also has to be fat enough to coat the noodles so that you know you've got soup uh, you've got on, on your noodles for flavoring. Toppings, it was interesting. Most places I go to, I was, I'm always, you know, the toppings are blah. Most, most ramen shops don't focus so much on the toppings. They give you a few slices of char siu, put the, the menma, the bamboo on there, a sheet of nori, and they're like, here you go, that's ramen. Right. And we decided, let's go for a trifecta. Let's, let's really, really focus on the toppings as well, because we want to do it all, you know, as best as we can. Well, every, every aspect of any dish should be good on its own, really, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's those elements that we did notice and we took away from our research and tried to, you know, incorporate into our ramen. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge that you're going to face in making prairie noodle successful? Whew. Consistency, of course. A consistency is always key. Um, and it's difficult because when you're making, you know, uh, products with uh, locally sourced proteins as we do, it's not always, it's not, you know, industrially farmed. You don't get the same fat content all the time. Right. You might not know, you know, and we, we, we work with what you've got, which I actually like, you know, food mm-hmm. should have character and personality. But yeah, it's making it consistent. Right now, we're fine tuning. We had our um, we had our soft opening this weekend. We have a few things to work on. Some broths need to be seasoned a little more and stuff, but nothing that can't be fixed. Right. But yeah, it, it is it is uh, consistency, and I'm finding trying to appeal to a wider uh, audience, right, and and palate. Some people like it, you know, uh, spice really. Some people are like this isn't spicy enough, and some people are like oh that's too spicy. Everybody has different flavors, so. Yeah. As a new restaurateur, trying to figure out how do you appeal to and cater to as many people as possible, Mm -hmm. but stay true to your concept so you don't dilute it so much that it's just blocked. You have to appeal to enough people to keep you afloat. Yes. (laughs) But not so many that you turn off 
everybody because it's boring now, right? Absolutely. (laughs) It is. It is. And really what it comes down to is we, we have that personality of wanting to make people happy. You know, we like to please people. So it is hard to kind of exclude a segment. Everybody has asked me something. I always want to say yes. And that's why I have good partners who, because we always say, uh, you know, if we let Arden do all the negotiating, he'd give the company away. (laughs) (laughs) So we balance each other out. Do you think, you know, saying that consistency is going to be the biggest challenge to make Prairie Noodle successful, do you think you're going to answer that the same way in, say, a year's time? Or do you think, uh, you know, you might go, you know what? I didn't realize that something else is actually even a bigger challenge, staffing or something like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be lots more challenges. I think one thing I've learned on this road uh, as an entrepreneur is that every time you think you've figured everything out, you something happens to make you realize you, you didn't. And as a business person... The best thing you can do is have a great team that's prepared to deal with all those things, you know, is to have a team that can overcome the adversities. Because you're right, there's going to be all sorts of stuff that happens over the next year, three, five, that we're not anticipating. Right. Um, but the point is we need to be prepared for it and, and just be able to deal with it as a team. So you're coming into the restaurant industry, which is kind of notorious for online reviews, uh, uh, yeah. both good, bad, sometimes vicious even. Mm-hmm. Does that prospect make you more excited? To start reading those kind of things, or does it kind of leave you a little more petrified at that prospect? <laughs> it is scary in that, again, I'm a people pleaser. You know, I, I want people to be happy, uh, you know, I, and I want them to like what we do. But I also realize that everybody has different tastes and different opinions. I'm not so worried about a bad review if it's about, you know, they didn't like the style of food. Right. It's not going to be for everybody. What I'm worried about is if somebody comes along and says the quality was poor. Or uh, your service was poor, or you know um, somebody dropped hot soup in my lap and nobody even apologized. <laughs> things like that, things that we can be responsible for. If, if we can control it and we didn't do the best job we could, that's where I'll be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but yeah, I think I'm just gonna try to keep my head down, not not read too many reviews, just focus on doing a really good job and and talk to the people. Uh, I prefer to have a conversation, right? Uh, yeah. About it. To me, when I think about, I mean, even. Just from my blog, I'll, I'll get some comments sometimes and you read them and you go, this, this makes zero sense. What is, what is this guy? High or what? Like, this guy's problem. No, I hear you. And you those are what you have to filter out. But I think that's a really difficult thing to do because you can't just remove yourself from the situation and just no. look at it objectively. That's a really hard thing to do. And I was out with one of our chef friends, uh, Alexi, uh, last night. We were just saying, you know, I have such an appreciation for how much heart and soul people who own and run uh, restaurants and cook in them and stuff and what they're doing to put it out there. And I don't think a lot of times people may necessarily appreciate that and they'll just rip into it. Yeah. And I, like I said, it's, it's fair if, if you don't like, you know, to be critical is fine, right? We were all striving to improve. But people who are just nasty and vicious, I yeah. don't know. I, I think the, that's also part of the, the internet, right? Yeah. I like to say that the internet is not a conversation. It's where people kind of leave their afterthoughts or their notes and yeah. they blurt it out. And it's taught us to think a mile wide and an inch deep, yeah. right? Um, people just don't really take the time. And, and that's unfortunate. But that's how that's the day and age we live in. That's well, how, and, and sometimes uh, really what it comes down to is that's where people go to tell you uh, how you should subscribe to their opinion. But they're completely unwilling to hear yours. Absolutely, absolutely, so. and I, I, I get everybody is entitled to how they, you know, to their own opinion, and I can yeah. respect that. And luckily, we haven't had any incidents yet. It's going to happen at some point, and we just have to try to handle it uh, with professionalism and tact and respect. You know, I, I had another uh, one of our staff teach me something. He said, you know, when someone complains about something, it means they care, and they care enough. 
to tell you that they're not happy about something. Yeah. So you have an opportunity. So either they're right or you're right. But either way, there's an opportunity to either learn or educate somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's the approach we're going to try to take. And sure. we'll, hopefully we'll be successful at it. If you see everything blow up online and we're out of business in a year, well, we'll know that we didn't do a good job. <laughs> Hopefully we'll, that doesn't happen. We'll have you on again and you can complain about the people who are complaining. <laughs> oh, there'll be a, yeah, there'll be a, no, I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll try to make peace with everybody out there as we can. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Alexi, um, you know, um, if somebody doesn't know that he owns switch food truck in town. Uh, I actually, I have a lot of respect for him because he's one of the chefs that doesn't take comments like that personally. He just takes them as a, you know, he immediately starts thinking, okay, does this have any validity? Is there something that I should be changing? Is there something I need to tweak? Because, I mean, that I, I cook a lot of stuff at home too, and sometimes I've tasted my own stuff so many times, yep. I can't figure out if it's good anymore. I have to offload some yep. some of that yep. you know, info on somebody else and say, well, you tell me if it's good. You know, I mean, I'm kind of biased now. Well, so he's one of those ones that really takes crit uh, criticism and feedback really well. So, And I think I that's because that. he, what I call, he's a scientific cook. Yeah. He understands the chemistry and science of it. I mean, he's got an amazing mind for it. And uh, and I've been very fortunate to have gotten to know and be friends with chefs like himself, Steve Bidakoff, Wendy Ma. Shout out to all these people, you know, Israel Alvarez, uh, Eric Hansen. These people who've taught me how to look at this industry, how to look at food, and how to stay true to what we want to do. I've learned a lot from them, and we hope to take those lessons forward, uh, you know, and, and I'm very, very fortunate to have met all these folks in this community. Between the time you started thinking about opening up the shop and doing pop-ups, and now that you actually are finally open, um, there's been a little, small, little change in, in the minimum wage laws in Alberta, <laughs> Yeah, which I know a lot of people in the restaurant industry are a little bit concerned about. Uh, does that cause a big rework of the financial plan in, on, on your end? Actually, you know what? We were very lucky in that we, that's the beauty of having a few of my partners on board. I, my, my background is in finance and investment. Uh, another one of our partners, he's a CFA. So, you know, we actually really, really looked hard at the numbers and we factored in the wage rate hike and looked at the numbers and we know what we have to do in terms of our pricing and, and where to, to make those adjustments. Now, of course, you know, once the reality hits, financial projection is just that. It's really a dart, throwing darts against the wall. What's your best guess? But at least we know what to look for and we know where we can make some minor tweaks. But we looked at it and we can absolutely absorb it. And I mean, the truth is I, I have so much respect for people who work in the kitchen and in the industry. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a highly underpaid industry for the work that they do. Um, I have no problem with the rise in minimum wage, but also I realized that we're lucky in that it hit before we actually worked out our business plan all the way. And so we were able to factor that in and we're pretty confident we can do that. Yeah. You didn't get blindsided by it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'll just say that we were very fortunate. Before we move on to the popcorn round, I want to give you a chance to give a little shout out to some of your favorite restaurants, coffee shops, bakers, whatever, food trucks. There's so many. Actually, it's funny. Some of my favorite joints are ones that are little holes in the wall. Uh, Garden Bakery in Chinatown. Terry and I have many, many, many business meetings there late at night. Um, uh, other uh, favorite places in the city. Uh, uh, Alexi introduced me to a, a barbecue place. It's a Sloppy Hogs. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. What amazing value. Um Gosh, I don't want to exclude anybody for being, you know, but... Oh, uh, you can't name everybody. That's yeah, just, no. Yeah. But actually, you know what? I'll <laughs> say one of my absolute favorite places to go uh, is Canteen because I live actually right around the corner from there. And every couple of weeks I'm there for brunch. I love chicken and waffles and I've had their chicken and waffle special almost every week that I go. And I finally, a few months ago, I said, I am going to go through your entire menu and I'm not <laughs> going to do the chicken and waffles. So I'd sit down and be like, don't even tell me what the special is. Just, you know, and I went through it and it's a fantastic menu. It's a great atmosphere. 
here. I love 124th Street. It's you know it's it's yeah. it's our neighborhood, right? Yeah, I mean it, once you once you find that thing on the menu that you just love, it's so hard not to go back and just eat that every single time. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and, and that's why I also believe in a small and tight menu, right? Yeah. I mean, how many different things do you order when you go somewhere? You find something you love. You might stray from it once or twice, but hey, you know, uh, you, you love what you love. Yeah, I love the, I love the small, tight menu because, yeah. frankly, when I go out for dinner, I don't want three pages of decisions to have to make. Oh, I want you to have it. a few things, but anything I pick is going to be awesome. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm going to be happy no matter what I pick. Yes, you don't want it to be a crapshoot. I'm also going to give a shout out to Izakaya Tomo. I forgot to my <laughs> one of my favorite uh, late night spots. And Tomo's carbonara udon is one of my absolute favorite comfort foods in the world. Mm -hmm. There we go. I, had, I just had that a few weeks ago. I, yeah, I quite enjoyed it too. All right. Time for the popcorn round. Mm. You ready? Okay. Nervous? Okay. No, These um, are super probing questions. So, Okay. Favorite Christmas movie? I'm embarrassed to say it, but love actually. I'm a bit what? of a... I am a little bit of a, you know, old-fashioned oh, romantic at heart, but... I don't but, even know uh, where to go after that. <laughs> I'm so, I, I, that's why I said I'm almost embarrassed to say it. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have maybe a Christmas song? Do I, Oh, God. This is horrible. Because uh, <laughs> uh, all I want for Christmas is Mariah Carey from the same movie we are learning this a lot is, about you right now <laughs> this is wow this is gonna go out on the air yes um, it is well don't feel so bad because mine is that uh i want a hippopotamus for christmas one <laughs> so what the <laughs> thanks no for worries. doing that now we're both out there together yeah what's one word that you would use to describe how you felt opening the door to prairie noodle for that first time frightened <laughs> fair <laughs> yeah yeah i was Won't uber lie. or taxi Mm, I haven't taken Uber yet, uh, and I don't generally take taxis, but I think I would try Uber. What song is currently queued up on your phone right now? What song is currently... Um, Another Mariah Carey? No, uh, Couldn't Stand the Weather by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Cred back. Least favorite kind of spam, canned or email? <laughs> email. Come on, I grew up <laughs> eating spam. Yeah. I thought that might be your answer. <laughs> Do you have a phobia? Um, so I have, I have many, um, I, I'll be honest, my biggest phobia is, uh, disappointing people or I guess that's a fear, you know, it's not like fear of spiders or anything, but I, I, I'm a, I'm a low conflict kind of guy. So I have a fear of conflict. Maybe that's a good one to say. Uh, what is the meal you cook most often at home? Um, <clears throat> instant ramen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you asked that. Oh, yeah. One trick, one trick mine. Do you actually trick it out though when oh, you get home? Oh yeah, I don't do like I don't do the college style. I mean, I put kimchi, I put cheese, I put barbecue pork. Uh, I do it up. Uh, sometimes I'll just use the noodles and make my own soup uh, with it. But yeah, I mean, soup noodles really is uh, is a staple in my diet. What was your first job? My very first job. I was 12 years old and working on my uncle's construction crew. That lasted for about a week after my aunt found out that I was running around with a nail gun. <laughs> uh, nobody is better at blank than me. Nobody is better at Ooh, uh, blanking. No, <laughs> uh, I, I I'm think, pretty good at that too. <laughs> uh, um, I'm gonna say making people happy. The key to a great ramen is heat. It's got to be a hot bowl. Absolutely. Everything's going to be good, but as soon as that temperature goes down, the noodles, the soup, the toppings, it just all kind of goes to poo. Well, that's it for another episode of Off Menu. Thanks to Arden Che of Prairie Noodle for being my guest this week. And don't forget to check the show notes at baconhound.com for more information and links to Prairie Noodle. 
as well as Arden's food picks for Edmonton. Thanks as always to Mrs. Glass for providing the theme music for Off Menu. Until next time, don't forget, life's too short to eat shitty food. Thank you.